We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good morning, grinders. I tried to do I tried. I'm sick. I'm sick, people. I got a cold. I tried to do it as long as I can. But good morning, grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender at Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter. And it's Monday, October 31st, Halloween. It's Halloween. Uh, I, I dressed up as myself, as someone that doesn't give a crap for Halloween. And uh, we, we, we're still doing what we normally do on Mondays. Is that bringing uh, James McCool? Co-author with me, The Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com, as well as our advanced players course, which is six hours of audio, as well as uh, tools for Microsoft Excel for you to use to be uh, more accurate and efficient with your process. So, James, uh, good morning to the chat, by the way. The chat people, hey, Defix, Suki Singh, what does, everyone? Good morning. Give me a thumbs up because I don't feel well, right? Just programming note. I'm I'm just I'm just gonna basically try to recover from this cold. So no show tomorrow and Wednesday. So don't show up. There won't be a thumbnail, right? So uh, I, I'm I'm surprised I've lasted even three minutes without coughing. But, but we'll <laughs> see. We'll see what happens. But James, you have a flamingo on your head. I do. Uh, is the takeaway after this? Uh, uh, let let's let the, the recap of yesterday's slate was if you would if you would have. If you would have accidentally, James, if you would have accidentally mapped the ownership column to the fantasy points column and uploaded that to lineup HQ, you probably won a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you you swept things up, man. You cleaned up. Uh, Yesterday, I think, was the most uh, chalk hit slate that I have seen in at least like three years. No, it's it's the it's the most I've seen since I've started playing DFS. Yeah, 
I, and, I mean, I started playing NFL DFS in like 2000, end of 2017, maybe mm-hmm. early 2018. Because it's not just, James, it's not just, like, there's a difference between the chalk hitting. It's like, okay, like, like if you play uh, a, a six to, a six to, like, DJ Moore, 5,300, like, if he would have gotten, like, 19 points, yeah, it would have been like, okay, did well for his 27% ownership. But when he gets 30, that's that's like a 90th percentile outcome. It's like, yeah. we're looking down, look at the... Tony Pollard, like 90th percentile outcome. Tyreek Hill, like that's a 75th percentile outcome. Uh, Olave failed. But I mean, normally 10 points for 6K would be like, I'm not dead, but on this slate you are, right? Most Mostert, dead, seven. But like Waddle, Waddle, that was an 85th percentile outcome. Derrick Henry, you didn't even need Derrick Henry. Deonta Foreman was 22% owned. He got a 95th percentile outcome. Hopkins, Tua. I mean, like, you take a look and, like, it's, dude, James, imagine, imagine someone waking up. They didn't, they obviously, the, the, they didn't sweat the games, but they, they opened up their lineup and they're like, you know what I did? I, I, I played a little contrarian, right? I'm going to, I'm going to play Marcus Mariota with Kyle Pitts and then the DJ Moore run back. And I'm going to jam in. CMC, Henry, and Alvin Kamara, and then play AJ Brown as a one-off. And then you looked at your score, you looked at the scores and go, well, Mariota had like 25 points. Pitts had 19. DJ Moore with 30. Henry, Bra- Henry, Kamara, and McCaffrey all have 40 plus, and AJ Brown is, is the highest. Yeah, I told you, 42 is the highest scoring wide receiver. And then you look and you're like, oh, I got like, like 5X. Yeah, like, like it, the, you, you were not even like you're like, oh, I pro- I probably won a million dollars. It's like no, I don't even know if you made the top five hundred. No, like I'm not I'm even sure you it. even made the top five hundred with that lineup because it would have depended on what else is the right. Like you get a three in that lineup, you're 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 in like this twelve hundredth place. <laughs> it was insane. Like I, I was totally fine with fading a couple pieces of the chalk. Right, right. like I was totally. I, I made a, a huge thing about taking a stand against Dante Foreman in, in the Discord before lock, right? I got I was like, I, I cannot we we have no less than 10 running backs that have slate breaking upside here and they're all affordable. And you guys want to play Dante Foreman, you guys are insane. I'd like, why do you want to do that when he's gonna be owned? And it was fine for a little while. And then he got one one-yard touchdown. And then he got a second one-yard touchdown. And then he got a third one-yard touchdown with a two-point conversion. And I'm just like, all right, well, that sucks a little bit. But it's okay. It's okay. Because, like, DJ Moore is still failing. And, you know, maybe Derek Henry will be bad later. Nope. DJ Moore, 70-yard Hail Mary touchdown to, like, send the game into overtime, which kills me more with Dante Foreman. And, like... Pretty if if you just if you just played everything that every single tout service told you to play yesterday, you just victory lapped the entire day. Yeah, but you but you didn't win that much. No, you didn't. No, 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 no. I didn't say you won that much. I said you victory lapped all right. Day. Like you you won, but you just didn't won that much. Like if you take a right. look at the line, I I left my the lineups that I play. I play fifteen li- GPP lineups. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I built them in lineup HQ. Mm-hmm. And I built them by hand in lineup HQ this time. Wow. 
No, I would just go and like, click by. I, I just built them in line of education so I could export it via, you know, Excel or whatever. Mm-hmm. But because only because there was only a very select few like groups of players that I even was going to play. Sure. So to me to r- even run 300 and put it through everything, it just seemed like I could just do this by hand. So like, if you just take a look at like what I was playing, it's not, I mean, look, out of 15 lineups, I had 10 Tony Pollards, 70 out to Foreman's. Okay. Five Alvin Kamara's. Yeah. Pierce and Mostert and Walker didn't work out. You know, one spot in my lineup didn't work out, but then I have like, like, I mean, like I, like here, here's on a, on a normal slate. I mean, I'm looking where, where's, where's I've some like, where's my double stack. Yeah. Here, here's a lineup going into the late go, going in. This would be a normally a lineup. And remember, I'm playing mostly. These are like the power sweeps in the spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I am throwing them in the milli, but it's meant more for smaller field. Imagine having Marcus Mariota, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, London only put up seven points, but then you have Foreman and Moore. Mm-hmm. You have Pollard and Kamara. Mm-hmm. You have Tyreek Hill in your lineup, and you're like mm-hmm. heading into late games with like the 49ers defense, and you're looking at this lineup going, "Why aren't I leading the spot?" Like on a normal week. It's like, well, no, I didn't have all. Th- I'm sorry, Drake London seven. You're dead. dead. You're dead, right? Dead. Like you're just dead because everyone. It's like it's not enough to have like all. You needed everyone. So like I had a two a stack. Like here's uh where where's my where's uh what what happened? yeah this one. This one looked good heading into the end. That was right? great. <laughs> Tua, Tua doubles Hill and yeah. Waddle. No bring back. Yep. So I wasn't concerned about it. Yep. Right. Garrett Wilson. Right. Deonta Foreman. And of mm-hmm. course, since it was a two a double, I didn't play Pollard in this lineup. I played Dalton Schultz at tight end. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sitting there with Pearson Walker. But it's like, dude, like Pollard's already scored 36 points. Right. Kamara's already scored 40 points. It's like, like, okay, so basically I need Pearson Walker to both score like 35 points just to mm-hmm. maintain where I'd like. Like on any other week, I'd be heading into the late games going, I have a sweat for a million dollars, right? <laughs> it was insane. I And I, I just... Oh, here's just, another one. Where's my A.J. Brown one? Oh, there's... Because uh, obviously I had two car lineups that were horrible, obviously. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I, ha- I had a car lineup as well. Uh, let's see. Where... where I made them here. Where's my... Because I, I made a Hertz lineup. They didn't project as well. But they're I thought, yeah, it was lower. It was lower. Right. I have some Ellinger, Hertz... Where's Hertz and Pickens? It's my AJ Brown lineup. Okay, here you go. Imagine looking at this lineup going into the late games. Hertz, Brown, Pickens with the obvious dud. Foreman, Pollard, and Kamara, right? Foster Moreau at tight end, the Patriots defense would put up eight points. Like I typically would be heading into the late games with Wandell Robinson going, I got a shot at first place in something, right? In some spy or power sweep or something nope dead just like dead like dude dead like just like you like this wasn't even a point no. not even sweating the like like how many points do i need from wandel robinson to to get into the top 10 Better 64 points point. like no i'm not even yeah. close <laughs> how many how many points does you need from wandel robinson to double your money that that no, was no, this, this cash 
no, 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 double your money, right? Like not not the one point seven, not the one point five, but double going into like that late, like late. Oh late yeah, game. yeah, you probably still need like forty five points. Yeah, you still you still need like a gross amount of points to even get into like the top tenth percentile, to, to, right? To move up a pace to, to yeah. even move up a pace scale. So gross, dude. So gross. Uh and I was just, but I, I, I just wanted to say I was the same as you. Like, I didn't like fade the chalk it's mm-hmm. just that i didn't play them all together <laughs> like, and the so thing funny. is even if you played them all together <coughs> that didn't guarantee anything nope right i mean like like the <coughs> i think what what people are going to take out of this week which i which is what i love is that you just it, you play this at like you play nfl like nba and just just jam the projections and don't give up anything and we know historically we've been playing for long enough to know that that's not the case. Like anyone that did well this week and didn't win first place shows how hard it is to win first place on a week where all the, where so much of the ownership is mad, where everyone's sharing so many points where you're scoring 220 Mm -hmm. and going, thank God I cashed. Mm-hmm. Right, and it comes down to like, oh, you needed to play Tyler Conklin. Like, if you just with, didn't play with, with Garrett Wilson without Zach Wilson, I thought that lineup was perfectly fine. I thought it was fine too. I, I actually, when I reran the slate and and through my process, I ended up with a couple of Garrett Wilson and and Tyler Conklin doubles with uh with my two stacks. So I I thought it was fine too. But I want to point out that you needed to do that kind of thing. On this slate, in order well, to you needed Tyler play. Conklin, he was the highest scoring tight end, yeah, on a tight end wasteland, right? Good but thing. but it's you don't on a slate where not all the chalk hits, you wouldn't need Tyler Conklin because you're eight percent AJ Brown. I mean, we take a look at, at the, the Millie ownership, we go by points, it's like Kamara was only 12 percent owned, AJ Brown was eight percent owned. We don't have McCaffrey was four percent owned, we don't have it updated in results DB. Mm-hmm. Like on a normal slate, like with 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 all of this stuff, you know, look at all this green here. Like if half of this green was red, then it's like, well, if you had the Kamara, McCaffrey, Deonta Foreman combo, it's quite possible Pollard doesn't even make the Millie winning lineup. Right. Now he could, and now he's going to be in a lot of top lineups, but there are a lot more combinations where you don't need to hit like on the combination of a tight end, it's like Tyler Conklin at 3,200 outscored at 1.6% ownership, like doubled, doubled the points of like all the other tight ends. So it's like, well, as everyone's playing 25% owned guys, it's like you need this 1.6% owned player. Mm-hmm. It's what it's what I talk about building your lineups with like, oh, I'm going to play my cash lineup, but I'm going to, I'm going to take out one guy and put in a 1% owned guy. It's like the only way you could win on those slates is if all the chalk goes off and your 1% on guy is relevant. Right. It has to smash. Past and, good, and good luck hitting that 1% on right. guy. Right. Well, it, it's not like, well, which 1% on guy? It's like, well, there's like there's like uh, 80 of them. Right. And they're 1% owned probably for a reason, right? Whereas a player that's going to
there's other plays at the same position that end up looking really, really good projections wise or value wise. Like they're 1% owned because they are undervalued based on what they should be. Right. Uh, so, James Aguirre in the chat. And I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that people are posting in the, in the chat, especially because this is what, this is what normal people, people that don't have many brain cells are going to think. Uh, are projections too good now to profitably play GPPs? The projections are as good as they've always been. Mm-hmm. Right? So th- what what this, this comment means, James, you know what this comment means. The projections, like, oh, the projections told, told me that Tony Pollard is going to put up 36 points. That's not what projections are. Projections are a range of outcomes. So, like, for instance... We look at, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, let's see, I could see, even though it's the day before, I'm going to switch the RG projections. Okay. Tony Pollard's one standard deviation outcome is 12 to 31 based on the RG projections. So basically like the 16th percentile is 12. The 84th percentile is 31. Okay. The middle of that is 20.9. And that's for 6.1K at running back. So how often does Tony Pollard put up 36 points? Well, if 31 is the 84th percentile, that means 16% of the time he puts up 31 points mm-hmm. or more. So what would where, where would where would 36 reside? Well, I mean, we're starting to tail off here too because it eventually becomes an exponential thing. Right. So well, wait, wait, just estimate it. So, so what what, do you, what would you say a 36 point? Probably like anywhere between three to 6%. Right. Like a 92nd percentile outcome yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Right. So that happens 8% of the time. Then you go to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill put up 34, which was his, based on the RG projections, that's his 84th percentile outcome. That's 16% of the time. DJ Moore put up 30. <laughs> His 84th percentile is 27.53. So that's... So now we're talking about another 90th percentile outcome, right? Kakamara put up 40 points. We're talking about another 90th percentile outcome, right? It just so happened, it was also the, the people that have the slightly higher medians than others, right? But like DeAndre Hopkins put up a, you know, 85th percentile outcome. But like Raheem Mostert didn't. Mm-hmm. Right, Amon Ross St. Brown didn't. Right, Coop Christian McCaffrey did. Right, we look we look through it. It's like Deonta Foreman. It's like, imagine if we switched this. Right, if we go, let's say we go to running back just to cut it down. Okay, I put out, I put out. You know, well, these are the running backs that I played. Right, Saquon Barkley. Didn't, right? Or Damien, like a perfect example is Walker and Pierce. Mm-hmm. It's like, what happens if we, if Walker and Pierce were, instead of 6,500 and 6,300, they were, Walker was 4,800 and Pierce was 4,500. You know, you know what, what the lineups would have been? A lot of people would have played Pollard, Walker, Pierce. Mm-hmm. Right, because from a median standpoint, they would have been more owned because they would be worth more from a median standpoint, and Kamara would have been less owned 
but Foreman would have been barely, I mean, Foreman would have been that contrarian pivot instead of right. like, right. It, that's all you needed to happen. And then people would be looking and going, if that was the case and they were priced like that, we'd be talking about how much running back chalk has failed this, this week. Mm-hmm. Right. Pollard did well, but you needed to pay, like you didn't needed to pivot to Foreman from Pierce and Walker or play Derek Henry and McCaffrey. Right. So just the simple dynamics of the pricing versus the median is what Dick state last, last week, uh, Dink, if you listen to Drew Dickmeyer, uh, Jacobs, remember last week, Jacobs was like 46% owned and crushed, right? Yeah. And Fournette was like barely, like 5% owned and failed. But Jacobs was was cheap, like, and Fournette was, like, Jacobs was 6,500 and Fournette was 7,400. Right. But if you reverse the prices and Jacobs was 7,400 and Fournette was 65, Fournette would have had would have been thirty percent owned, and Jacobs would have been ten percent owned, and yeah. and it would have failed, right? So the dynamics of chalk is more related to the median value salary salary adjusted value of the player, not the ceiling of it or anything like that. So it just so happened that the players with the higher median related to their salary put up a ninetieth percentile outcome based on their projections together how often does that ha- like like dude we've been playing for a while these types of weeks are very rare because what does it take if we take a look at the ownership of all the players because remember i'm not if they do well quote unquote do well that's one thing yeah like if Deonta foreman put up 18 for 5300 I would have taken if you would have told me that before the slate. I would have said I'll take that. Yep. Right. That's definitely. I, I think I, I, that could that could be in a winning lineup. Right. DJ Moore, eighteen points for fifty three hundred. Yeah, but when they score twice that, that's that, that's that's past one standard deviation. So look, you have all these own own players. So like ten percent of the time, Tony Pollard puts up this score. DJ Moore, ten percent of the time. Uh, Foreman 10% of the time, right? Like once you start adding these up, like how often do the highest owned play, all the highest owned players, not all of them, eight out of the 10 put up 80 plus percentile outcomes. Well, do the math, very small percentage of the time. Mm-hmm. So typically jamming them all in and having your minimum ownership total be 220. It's very, very, very difficult to win a GPP that way. Yeah. Unless it's really small, like, yeah, 50-person GPP, maybe. Yeah, and and that kind of goes back to the reason why you shouldn't do that is because even if you do well, like, your, your goal in GPPs is not to do well. It is to win. There's a difference. Win first. Win, right, win first. Take the most equitable position in the contest. That That's what you're doing whenever you enter a contest. You're aiming for the most equitable right. position. In cash games, the most equitable position is anything that is in the cash. In GPP, the most equitable position is winning the GPP. So, like, you need to be able to build a lineup that balances out the chalk and then contrarian plays that are going to give you enough relative value to pass the field, win all of your 
players do well. And just just to kind of piggyback one more thing and, and give a little bit more of an example here on um, the deviations and the range of outcomes for players and, and a way to think about uh, picking your players. So say that you had Tony Pollard at 6,100. And, and this, this is an example from a write-up that I did. Right. Um, you have Tony Pollard at 6,100 who has a projection of 21 and a ceiling of 32. And then you have Damian Pierce at 6,300 who has a projection of 19 and a ceiling of 30. Okay. Very similar projections, very similar medians, very similar prices, uh, all of those different things, right? In this specific instance, Tony Pollard ended up with a top 10th percentile outcome for his projection and for his range of outcomes. Damian Pierce ended up with a bottom 10th percentile. No, he did not a bottom. He put up 14 points. Bottom. Okay. So no, he put up RG, like a 45th percentile outcome. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, sorry. Um, say that he put up eight fantasy points. Right. Say he put, he put up eight fantasy points in this. And he gets a bottom 10th percentile outcome. Um, both of those instances are equally likely based on the range of outcomes of these players. So if you think about it that way, and you think that a player, two players projected for 20, one scores 10, one scores 30, both of those outcomes have the same percentile outcome. That's the same, right, the same probability. probability of occurring. Yes. Right. So it's not about, oh, well, I should have played Tony Pollard or I should not have played Damian Pierce. Like you made a decision based on the player's range of outcomes, based on their median projection against their price. One ran bad, one ran well, just walk it off and try again next time. Uh, but the difference are... in their range of outcomes, but I mean, the key point in, in GPP is that if you were to tell me, like, I, I mean, obviously I had I had Pierce lower than that. Sure. I mean, but I mean, I still had, I, like, dude, that I, I had him in seven of 15 lineups. So Pierce, the difference between Pierce and Pollard from a median perspective I had, I mean, this is the RG projections, but my aggregate was like a two and a half point difference. Yeah. Like two and a half, three point difference. In I mean, we, we can make, we can make a, a realistic example here with Saquon Barkley and Derrick Henry. Right. Cause they're about the same price and they're about the same projection. Yeah. So that's a realistic example here as, as to right. what their outcomes were. Right. So that, yeah, it, based on, on these RG projections, essentially Barkley and Henry projected for about the same. And they're only 300 apart, different from each other. The only the thing is, is that like Derrick Henry was 22% owned and Barkley's like 5% owned. Right. For the so same like, play. They're the same, right. From from a number standpoint, they're the same exact. They're only other than the fact of the narrative that that Derrick Henry bashes the the Titan, the the, the Texans. Right. But Which from, is obviously 100% true because it happened again. Right. But the actual range of outcomes for Barkley and Henry were about the same. But the ownership so, was four was four times different. And that, so, that's the point that I was making with Pollard and Pierce. And not even Pollard, just Walker and Pierce. And some of these other, the 6K, Mostert and Pierce. All of the 6K running backs. Right. It's just that I felt like between Pollard, Walker, Mostert, like they would all be 20 plus percent owned and Pierce would be sitting there at like, six to ten percent and it's like the range of outcomes like yeah pierce is slightly yeah i you're right all those other players project slightly higher from a median perspective if 
by a half a point to two points. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that they should be four times, five times, six times more owned. Doesn't, but it also doesn't mean that you don't play Tony Pollard. I mean, it, did, it did, doesn't mean like, oh, Tony Pollard's over on, but he's also like the best raw point projection running back for the salary. So that's the reason why I when I build lineups, right? It's all about lineups, not players. It's like, well, where's my where's my two lineups, right? I know that this is going to be a mega owned stack. So you know what I do? I don't play Pollard in those lineups, or I play or I play Pollard, but I play look. Look at what look at what I did here. It's like play Marquez Calloway, play Darnell Mooney across from Pollard, right? So if I'm going to play Pollard, at least I'm going to play some type of on the other side of the ball piece. Piece. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play the two stack, but not play it with Waddle, right? So I play Hill and Gazicki, and then play like Marquez Calloway as as leverage off of Kamara and Olave, and like okay, that now I can play this two stack. Then you look down here, it's like, okay, here's a two stack with Waddle and Gazicki. Same thing with Callaway. Because these typically the two to lineups like this, I want the leverage against the people that are playing Olave or Kamara in those right. lineups. And I if I play Josh Jacobs, it's like, okay, who's across from Josh Jacobs? Marcus Callaway. And there you go. Here's a lineup. Doesn't have Pollard in it, has Damian Pierce there instead. And then here's the lineup I showed before. It's like, oh, I don't have Pollard in it. I play Dalton Schultz instead because who would be taking points away touchdown-wise from Pollard? Dalton mm-hmm. Schultz. I have a 7% on Garrett Wilson in this lineup because this is a Hill-Waddle lineup. I didn't think Deontay Foreman was going to be 22% on. I had him in around, I had him around like 12 to 14%. I thought 12. Right. So I put this, so it's still lineups, not players. It doesn't mean it's like, oh, well, you don't play any of the chalk. Like people think that like contrarian players, like oh you're a contrarian. If all the chalk, if all the chalk cards off, you're dead. And why don't we play the chalk? Like I ne- I play chalk every week, mm-hmm. just not all together, mm-hmm. right? Because it's hard to it's absurdly hard to win on on slates where your cash lineup is your highest scoring lineup. To wrap all of this up with a bow, in terms of the question of are projections too good now to profitably play GPPs. I, I think it is much less a question about the projections because again, like the, the projections in this instance, like as the projections were good, there was just as good of a chance of Derrick Henry failing and Squan Barkley doing well based on the projections. And it's not really about that. It's more about the assessment of the players and how they fit together and the, the way that people are playing. Well, I mean, uh, here, here this, this, is what I, this is what I always say, James. When this this is when someone says they they'll come they'll come to to us at Roto Grinders and say your projections were fire yesterday or something like that. I go, oh, so you had Justin Jefferson in your lineup? They go, no, he did bad. It's like, well, we projected him well. Said, uh, did you have uh, did you did you have Brandon Cooks in your lineup? Like, no. It's like he did horribly. It's like, yeah, we projected him well. How about Devonte Adams? How did he do? Like, it's like, yeah, but but. But then, and then they're like, hey, but I had Pollard and I had Kamara and I had Deonta Foreman and I had Tyreek Hill in my lineup. I go, yeah, they projected well also. And you had DJ Moore, right? Yeah. So like, you can't just say based on the results that like, oh, your projections were great other than the fact that half, like if you just go by a results standpoint, like I'll, I'll go by the flex, but let, well, let, let's do this as an exercise. Okay. Uh, all the players that were, <laughs> a positive RGV, yeah, right? In the RG projections, okay? Which is 
sal- above their salary adjusted value that we had projected, right? Pollard, right? Okay, great. Keep track. Keep keep track of the winners and losing losers. Yeah. Okay, based on results, which is not how you're supposed to do it, right? Okay, Pollard, good. Okay, so count that, count that as a win. <coughs> Jacobs, thumbs down. <coughs> Kamara, thumbs up. Hill, thumbs up. More thumbs up. Jefferson, thumbs down. <coughs> Cup, he didn't do well enough. Not for Stein, 9,600. Thumbs down. Walker, thumbs down. M- Moster, thumbs down. Olave, thumbs down. Deonta Foreman, good. Pierce, thumbs down. He didn't do well enough. Barkley, down. Amon Ra, down. Hopkins, good. <coughs> Kittle, down. Henry, up. Wilson, up. Did Lamb score enough? I don't even know what Lamb did yesterday. <laughs> did Lamb score? I mean, I know he scored a touchdown. I think he did enough. But he's, did he score over over 17? He scored 18. That's not a, a, a okay, that's, that's neutral. I'm going to give it a zero. because Right, because he didn't hit a ceiling. Right, because we're judging based on that. Right. Foster Moreau. He got nine points. I mean, he was there. He's a tight end. Higby was a fail. So Higby, Higby's a down. Waddle up. What did Ayuk finish? What did Ayuk finish with? Did not enough. So Ayuk is, is down also. So those are all the players that as of the RG projections had as a positive salary adjusted value. So how many winners, how many losers in total? It was uh, eight winners out of 20. So 40%. Right. Okay. So if you judge it based solely on (coughs) who hit a ceiling, you'd say that actually the projections were horrible. (laughs) Right. You'd say, Oh, they were horrible. Then only eight out of the 20, that you projected as a positive salary adjusted value. If we let's, we'll make we'll make that take take guys like like well Pierce went under, like Moreau went over, so like Lamb went over, so move Lamb over to the win column. Because okay. technically, what we're judging it based on is did they beat their salary adjusted value, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not just a ceiling. So we could probably move move Lamb over to the to the win column. We could move. Anyone else over to the win column? No. Moreau? Did we count Moreau as a win? I already counted Moreau, yeah. Uh, Ayuk is a win also. He did over 15 points, right? Okay. So maybe we're at, what, 50-50 now? Yeah, 50-50. Which is kind of weird because that's like what would you would expect from median projections, right? Crazy. How Crazy. It's kind of like when you, when you do like median projections. Man. It's almost like like maybe half the players go based on their salary adjusted value. It's almost like it's more likely than not in the long run that if you were to judge it based on players, which you shouldn't, but half the players would go under and half the players would go over. Like, wouldn't that kind of like make logical sense? Man, what a thing! What a thing to happen here. And that you know that you know the thing is though, if I told you out of the the twenty top RGV players, right? Salary adjusted value players. If I told you 10 would go over and 10 would go under, that would probably be correct most, almost all weeks. Yeah, yeah. Right? The vast majority of the time. Right. But then then, you, then someone asked me, well, which 10? I go, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a fortune teller. 
right? Mine. All I know is that I want to play those players, a bunch of those players, but I don't know which ones are going to be the ones that, based on these, based on the numbers, one, just like Jacobs, dude, Jacobs could have easily had Kamara's game. Yeah, exactly. Had, had, had the Raiders actually shown up to play. Yeah. <laughs> and, and had Ingram not get injured. People are leaving out that fact that Ingram got, Ingram got injured in the first quarter and Kamara just stayed on the field the entire time. Yeah, like why why couldn't Kenneth Walker have had the same game as Tony Pollard? Right, because it's not Tony Pollard. If you if you did you see Tony Pollard only played like 57% of the snaps. Yeah. Yeah. Like Pollard Crazy. did not get the role that we thought. We thought, oh, Tony Pollard, 95% of snaps. Like, no, no. No, he, he had like he 65 or something. Was no, I much? thought it was 57. I saw it on Twitter this morning. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was I was going ad hoc, but right. But a big, some like Tony Pollard hit some big runs, like Kenneth Walker could have hit big runs. Right? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So then uh, maybe I should ask, is the field potentially too sharp? Although I could just sort by ownership and get the answer myself. Um, no. I mean... Most so like like we've been saying, this week was an absolute aberration in terms of the amount of high owned players that absolutely just dominated the slate. This was a slate where legitimately, if you did not have a dolphin stack, like, or if you didn't have Tony Pollard, or if you didn't have Dante Foreman, or if you didn't like that, there were eight players, legitimately eight players that were super high owned and crushed so hard that if you did not have them, you did not have a sweat. Like you just weren't winning without the vast majority of the highest owned players. So most weeks that's not going to happen. I mean, if we look back, what, two weeks ago, not last week, because last week the, the chiefs ended up doing pretty well. But if you look back two weeks ago, the, the chalk ended up not scoring very well at all. Uh, it was the week before 
the the Bills versus Chiefs game, where if you ask the same question, like we have the same discussion, and you sort it by percent owned, you're not seeing all this green again. Uh, it, it just so happened that this week, all of the highest owned players ended up just dominating. But I wouldn't say that the field has gotten too sharp. I do think the field has gotten better. And I do think that uh, the field knows how to use tools better because that's really what I think that I dictate when it comes to how sharp uh, large field GPPs are is how good the tools are that people are using to create lineups because the projections are good. Like pretty much anywhere that you go, the projections are going to be good. It just depends on what tools you are able to use to create lineups utilizing the projections from the place that you're finding them, the place that you're sourcing them. I think that the tools have a lot more of a, of a dictation on how sharp the lineups are in a contest. Um, but I, I don't, I think that there will always be an edge based on next week, watch next week, there's going to be elevated ownership on the best plays. Um, and next week I, I maybe we're going to have the same outcome, right? Blender, like maybe next week. It, it has just as likelihood of happening as yeah. it had this week. It's that like, you can't go by, well, the trend is the trend is what the, the, the that the players don't know the players don't know how owned they are. Like, we are like, dealing with complete non-binomial distributions here. Like we right. we do not know. This is random variation when it comes to how well players do. The best that we can do is project them for a median outcome, develop a acceptable range of outcomes, and play players and build lineups based on their acceptable range of outcomes, and hope that you run good. That's pretty much what it is. This week, all of the guys who were high-owned ran good. Next week, maybe they'll run good again. But the reason why you don't play all of them together is because if you had eight of those 10 guys and you just had like the highest ownership that you possibly could have had, you still did not have that great of a chance of winning every single GVP. Like You needed the nuts to win this week. Whereas right. you, you needed the literal nuts as yeah. opposed to needing a lineup that is like not 30 points away from the nuts and not needed. Next week, if eight of the 10 highest owned players fail and have their bottom 10th percentile outcome, you could win with so many different combinations of players. Right. Exactly. That is why and it doesn't mean that all the chalk needs to fail. Like you could be like, imagine this week if Pollard did well, and the two were stacked did well, but like Kamara failed and no, just like uh, half of them, right? Like if, DJ if, Moore failed, like DJ Moore got 12 points, whatever. Most likely, like you would have saw you you would like look, we had a week where AJ Brown, and I, results DB is now being unresponsive, so I can't even bring it up. Uh AJ Brown was the highest scoring wide receiver, and he wasn't even necessary. Right. Right, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey both put up forty points. You didn't, you didn't even need them on most weeks. You're going to need when AJ Brown scores three touchdowns in the first half, and you're like, well, if you don't have an AJ Brown lineup, close your laptop, and that not even to be true. That would be true in the instance where not all of the jaw kits, because it's like the people that have AJ Brown's forty-two at eight percent. Are like right. I'm sharing points with eight percent of other people, right? But lineup probably doesn't have Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle in it, which these twenty-two percent of people have, and they're just running me over. 
So it's like, well, it doesn't matter that I got him at 4% ownership because the guy at 40% ownership is put up the same amount of points anyway. Which, by the way, nothing feels worse in DFS. Literally nothing feels worse than having a 4% owned player, somebody under 5% owned, put up like the best score they could possibly have. You're like, yeah, I nailed this pivot. I nailed the pivot away from Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Like this lineup is going to be awesome. I'm going to pass so much field. And then they score the same at like 35% owned. And you're just sitting there like, what, like to, to quote the, the great siege, what's the point, you know, just what's the point. Uh, one thing I did want to point out and people take people think of things too much in black and white, the winning lineup in the, in the Millie was an excellently constructed lineup, Mm -hmm. right? If you want to consider the lineup and you're going to go, well, they had a double stack, but they didn't have a bring back. And I'm like, so they had two jets without the quarterback. And I go, so they go, well, why is that a, why, why? It's like, well, Zach, why couldn't you have played Zach Wilson? Like, dude, the Jets stack got there. Mm-hmm. The Jets stack got there. The Lions stack didn't get there. Why? Because their production was all spread out. The Lions at a, as a team got there from a team total. But Jamal Williams has two rushing touchdowns. DeAndre Swift has a touchdown. Amon Rod didn't. Right? Hawkinson, like, it went, it spread out. Khalif Raymond is catching balls. Like, like, dude, it didn't matter because the Lions production got spread out. And at there was no one at the... So when people played the double and played Amon Ross St. Brown at 6,900, it's like, dude, he needs 30-plus at 6,900. If anyone else starts getting touchdowns, you're getting screwed. And then it's like, well, did you play Jamal Williams? Like, he projected horribly. Ted yeah. Swift, you could have played Hawkinson. Like, what happens if the Dolphins just put up 35 points and the Lions put up 31 points? Uh, 27 points and it gets spread out. Well, then you don't need a run back and the story like that. And how about this? If I told you that the jets, uh, Zach Wilson had to throw all game and their and their top two receivers are 4,200 and 3,200. And one of them is a tight end. That is just as cheap as any of the other punt tight ends that ever that you're probably playing anyway. Why can't you play Zach Wilson plus Garrett Wilson plus Tyler Conklin? Said, well, you can. Said, yeah, but what happens if you do that and Zach Wilson uh, only scores like 20, 20 points at quarterback? But Garrett Wilson and Tyler Conklin both get there for their price. Said, well, why don't I just play a different quarterback? that beats out Zach Wilson. That's correlated with the rest of my line. Oh, oh, that's kind of like what this lineup looks like. Mm-hmm. Like this is this, this lineup is a dolphin stack plus a jet stack with a Kamara Pollard and DJ Moore. Kamara with the new Orleans defense correlation. And then pa- Pollard and Moore who were the two highest projected salary, adjusted value players at their positions. Essentially, this is a dolphins plus jets stack. Just because Zach Wilson's not in the lineup doesn't make this weird. It's because, well, obviously Zach Wilson did well, but Tua did better. Right. 
and you have Hill and Waddle there. So, like, if you want, if there was a FanDuel lineup, that the FanDuel lineup makes a, that one is a little bit wonkier. Uh, when pe- if you could play two guys from the same team, like my my uh, like Foreman and Moore, if you played them both together in a lineup with no Falcons, I thought that was perfectly fine for their prices at fifty three hundred right. apiece. What happens if the Panthers put up four touchdowns? They put up 34 points. At their prices, those are the two main guys. Who else does anything on the Panthers pretty much? Mm-hmm. With Hubbard gone and McCaffrey and Robbie Anderson gone, it's like, shoot, for their prices. Now, if they were 8K apiece, then probably you can't do that, right? Because they probably don't get to that extent for that amount of salary. So, but Oh, but if they get there, wouldn't it be more likely that a Falcons get there? Yes, it's more likely. Doesn't mean it's guaranteed. Right. No. So, like, do you have to bring it back? No. Can you bring it back? Sure. Now, given given the situation where I'm, let's say you're playing a lineup like I played before with Hertz, right? I'm playing Hertz, AJ Brown, skinny stack, right? And I need a 4K level receiver. And my choice is between Wandell Robinson and George Pickens. <coughs> who project Wandell Robinson projects for about a point, a little bit point higher than Pickens. But since I'm playing Hertz plus Brown, why don't I just play the correlated piece? Right. All things being equal. <coughs> but I'm not purposely putting in pick. I have to play Pickens because I'm playing a Hertz stack. No, it just, that's what it works out to be. It's just, do I play Garrett Wilson in that lineup? Or do I play George Pickens or Claypool in that lineup? No, I probably play because I'm playing Hertz and Brown in that lineup. I'm playing Hertz, Devonta Smith, Goddard. And I go, I don't think in terms of, well, how do the Eagles get there? Do they have to be? I don't think football takes. I'm just looking at the numbers. They're going, well, for this type of construction, I'm going to need a 4K receiver, and Pittsburgh has one, right? Mm-hmm. For this type of construction, I need a 3K level tight end. So why not play Pat Firemuth? in a Hertz lineup instead of playing some other uh, Irv Smith. But if I'm playing DeAndre Hopkins in my lineup, I'm more likely to play Irv Smith than Pat Farmuth. Right. Right. That's I'm just more likely. Does, do you have to? No, of course not. I I played no Lions in all 15 of my lineups, even though I was playing Dolphins. Because I thought Amon Ross St. Brown is highly, is going to be highly correlated with Dolphins. And I didn't want, I wanted to play Dolphin stacks differently. So it's like, well, then why didn't you play Hawkinson or Swift? Like, no, you know what differently is? Not playing any Lions, right? Just simply not playing any Lions. Like, well, what, well, when Miami puts up a lot of points, don't the Lions put up a lot of points? Yeah. And maybe it gets spread out, right? Because no one projects that well on the Lions other than right. Amon Ross St. Brown. So it's like, if it was a team that a lot of people project well, because they're all underpriced, then I'm more likely to run it back because projection-wise, why would I give up projection and correlation at the same time? Mm-hmm. Right? The whole point is that I don't mind giving up a little projection to gain correlation, but you tell if <laughs> in those Hertz lineups, if you told me Pickens was three points higher projected than Wandell Robinson, like I would play him regardless of the correlation. The correlation is now even a benefit now. So like right. I, I would do that anyway. So like getting so tied into well, I got to build a three plus one. I got to build a two plus two. I got to build, you don't got to do anything. 
Right? You could build lineups. Look, I played a Mariota double triples. I did a three plus two with that Panthers Falcons game because they were all so cheap. Right. So I'm like, for Mariota to be a ceiling play and to carry two receivers, like the two fifty three hundred dollar guys on the Panthers, maybe maybe this game is a shootout. Mm-hmm. And they're so cheap anyway, and they all project well. It's so, not like I have to pull out someone that has a minus three RGV in mm-hmm. order to make it. It's like these are like, dude, if I just set if I set a three plus two in lineup HQ, if I set the stack lineup, I mean I did it. Three plus two, and I ran one of the t- what's the top lineup? That's a three plus two. It's a Mariota double stack with it's that lineup. Mm-hmm. It's literally that lineup. That's why I played it. So really quick to uh to give another example here. Um, when we think about the way that players are projected and their values and if they should be used in a comeback, because remember, I think it was week two or might've been week three. I I said, I, I think that I'm going to be bringing players back a lot less this year because of non-parity and because of the way the league is constructed right now. Um, and when we think about the way that we'll take the dolphins and lions, for instance, if you build a dolphins double stack with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and you feel like you need to bring somebody back. And I I used uh, a Detroit stack to avoid this. But if you were building a Miami stack and you tried to bring back Amon Rossi Brown at 6,900, right? You are now taking up a spot with Amon Rossi Brown at 6,900 that could be better used for one of the 6K running backs that ends up projecting for 20 fantasy points or for Alvin Kamara who ends up projecting for 20 fantasy points. Like you're losing... What what was Evan Ross St. Brown projected for? Seventeen. Uh, the RG projections. I see him there. He, he was uh seventeen point six. Yeah. So at that price, seventeen point six, there were probably at least a couple players that ended up being projected better than him at around the same price or a little bit more or a little bit less. To where, especially when you consider the RG value, like bringing him back almost feels bad. For a, for a Miami stack, because you have to dedicate so much price to doing it when there are so many good mid-range price plays that bringing it back, the reason why I did a Detroit stack was because I could make it work and get Tyreek Hill and get Amon Ross St. Brown in there together. But that ended up failing anyway. I just think you need, you need to think about the median projection in terms of correlation that you're gaining. The, the, the yeah, but, that, but, that's, but that's exactly what I'm talking about of like, don't go in going, I need to build this construction. Mm-hmm. Go, let me take a look at the projection versus ownership mm-hmm. and see if it's worth play. Like, yeah, there are probably some lineups that, like, with Amon Ross St. Brown, it's not that I chose to, like, oh, I'm not going to run it back with Amon Ross St. Brown. It's just I ran the lineups, and I'm like, like, if I run, I, I can't run Hill Waddle lineups with St. Brown also with the yeah. price. You you just it 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 ends up dropping so much projection that the correlation right because, uh, it drops so much projection not because of the those four it's because the other four five players in the remaining slots in your lineup that lineup almost has to have Deonta Foreman in it has to have Pollard in it and he, once you start now you start making this lineup and the combinatorics of it make like anyone that's playing like the reason why Deonta Foreman like people are gonna say they're gonna look at an ownership. And they don't understand combinatorics, okay? So 
what is the reason? Like, I'm going to ask you, uh, James. Mm-hmm. If I told, if I, I had two of stacks at like 16% owned rather than 21. Sure. I had Deonta Foreman at around 14 and not 22. Most people, most average DFS players will look and go, well, what does Tua Dolphin stack have anything to do with a running back in the Panthers game? Oh, well, yeah, it's because you needed him to fit those stacks to make them good lineups. Right. It's the same thing. Remember uh, the, the Bills stacks, right? Where it was, who's the cheap running back that week? Right, where, where people wanted to make what the Allen Diggs Davis stacks yeah yeah and there it's was like you had to play running. whatever that 4700 running back was it damien pierce no i have no idea i don't remember i don't remember either anyway there's cheap running back that uh that ended up being somebody who was going to be popular projected for like 17 18 ownership or something ends up being like 30 percent owned because people needed to use him to build quality lineups with the bill stack or with the chief stack there was just no other way to build it in a way that you didn't like bleed projection based on other players so when you have these value plays and and we didn't have a lot of good value this week Dont foreman was basically like the best value when no it came pollard to pollard and more no 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 but i mean like when you get cheaper 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 like he was the cheapest good play right well you're right as far as like prices like basically underneath 35300 there was nothing like yeah you didn't have anything yeah right. so he was the cheapest good play um, so of course the cheapest good play is going to have inflated ownership when you have expensive stacks because you have to use him to use those stacks. Like you really don't have a choice, which is why. Well, you when, have a choice. It's just that you drop a lot of projection. by right, doing. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it just, it, it becomes this thing where it's a, it's a cascading effect. It's a domino effect. If you're going to have higher ownership on a, an expensive stack, then in turn, the, the good cheap plays are going to also have inflated ownership. And that's why, like you looked at Henry McCaffrey, AJ Brown guys that all put up 40 points at much lower own. Well, Henry was owned. Yeah. It's 12, but, 10, 14, but Brown and McCaffrey weren't. Well, how the hell do you fit them into, to a doubles? Mm-hmm. You can't like, you can't like, that's why they don't make the what they, that's why they're unnecessary. Right there, the, those anyone that played Henry plus McCaffrey is probably that that lineup is a is a Mariota lineup. Yeah, right. That or lineup is or an Ellinger. It's probably an Ellinger. Right, lineup. it's probably an Ellinger lineup, or it's a uh, or or it's a, a PJ Walker, DJ Moore lineup, or a Daniel Jones didn't get there type of lineup, or yeah. like it can't be a two a double stack. It can't be a two. It probably can't even be a two to a single stack. Well, yeah, I could. <laughs> Tua with Waddle, maybe, not with Tyreek. Yeah, Tyreek. You could probably good. play Tua, Waddle, A.J. Brown, Henry McCaffrey, and then D.J. Moore, punt tight end, something probably like that. I mean, I guess so. There. Probably. Yeah, I mean, it's still, that's still tough to do. Yeah, you're still dead. Right. So that's that's just how that's how you, you have to think about it. And also, it's one of the reasons why projecting ownership is so hard these days, I think. Um, I, I just... And this is, you know, a, a modeling annoyance for me right now. But in terms of building out ownership and in terms of uh, putting together quality ownership algorithms, we've talked a lot about it a lot for NBA in the Discord. 
but because of the way that people are building um, and because of the way that ownership is kind of starting to become a little bit more condensed and it's it's just it's hard to it's hard to project ownership in a way that doesn't take into account the correlative effect of building lineups so you almost the 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 way now to build ownership algorithms is you actually do have to optimize lineups you have to optimize portfolio and find out where those lineups are coming from um which, which is exactly which is, what i what james it's it's exact what my secret sauce is my secret sauce is that yeah i know i know and, and that's that's something that uh that i i think will be implemented more next year I know there are a couple of companies that do it now, but I think that like it'll be a more mainstream thing next year and projecting ownership, utilizing utilizing ownership, um, portfolio management and stuff like that. So just just a little modeling excerpt there right. for well, for it's it's because it's because you could project rational ownership like algorithmically, but you can't project irrational human usage of right the tools and the projections. So like I don't do it in any scientific manner, but like it's hard for me to run. I mean, dude. I mean, I. I mean, I saw Deonta Foreman on one side at like eight percent projected owned, and I'm like, well, all this ownership is wrong. Like yeah, he's going to be owned. almost double. I think he's going to be almost double. I, I had him at fourteen to sixteen percent, regardless of the correlative effects, and he comes in at twenty two because the Dolphin stacks were even higher owned than I mm -hmm. expected. But how do you look at that and not like, like, dude? I'm looking at the other side. They're, they're projecting 8% ownership. And then if you run their own their own projections through lineup HQ, and you're like, okay, let me let me build uh Tua stacks. Yeah. Let me build uh cousin stacks. Let me build <coughs> hurt stacks, and you get 68% of the guy. You should bump he's gonna be more than eight percent owned. Like, I mean, like, like it's it's inevitable. Like it doesn't like I don't know. It like, but the thing is is that. What people don't understand is the barbell effect of the ownership. Mm -hmm. Okay. I try to explain this for NBA they're, they're, uh, in the morning last week. That especially if you're building for like single entry, it's like, oh, the condensed, the condensing of ownership. It's like, think of it on a reverse bell curve. That's how the diff, that's how you should be uh, altering ownership. So the chalky guys <coughs> are going to be chalkier. Mm -hmm. The guys in the middle aren't going to move much. <coughs> and everyone on the bottom is all going to come down. Yep. So, for instance, in this NFL slate or something, <coughs> uh, I mean, this ownership is let's let's go let's go to the RG ownership. Right. So Pollard, we had it 46% owned. We came in at 50. Okay. Tyreek Hill, 19% owned. Like he came in at 28. Okay. So take a look at all the chalkiest, the highest owned players. Pollard, Walker, Jacobs, Moore, Pierce. I mean, obviously Pierce and Walker came in much lower. You take a look at Tyreek Hill. You take a look at Waddle. You take a look at some of these guys, and it's like, okay, if I start bumping these guys, Raheem Mostert was twice his own. What if you took the Dolphins and you said, I'm going to raise them double? Where does that ownership come out of? Does it come out of Pollard? No, Pollard gets more chalkier. DJ Moore gets more chalkier, right? Uh, 
Deontay Foreman gets more chalkier. Where does the ownership come out of? Does it come out of like, well, how about, does it come out of Amon Ross St. Brown? No. Does it come out of Josh Jacobs? No. Does it come out of Wondell Robinson? No. Does it come out of Barkley? No. You know where it comes out of? All the bottom players. Mm -hmm. Like the guy that we have at 4% owned is now going to be 2% owned. Yeah. The guy that's going to be 5% owned is now going to be 2% owned. The guy that's going to be 4% owned is going to be 1% owned. Like it all comes out, all those little things, because people are not, choosing a combination of like, well, I can play these guys and then one of these, whatever. It's like, no, they're just, they're just playing one guy down there because they, in order to fit everything else in, they need that one 3% own guy, but it's not going to be multiple of them. So everyone in the contest is going to be selecting kind of a somewhat different one, depending on how much salary you need. So all of that ownership is going to come down and basketball happens all the time. We, we have ownership when, when I do the, so I play the three max contests or the single entry contests, like the hundred dollar, two hundred dollar, whatever. I I go in and essentially that's what I do. I change the ownership of like the top owned plays to be more owned, right? I would move this up. I'd go okay, fifty five. Walk, you know, all of this up, and then go to the bottom and go in my playable pool and go, who's at like six percent owned? Make them two. Mm-hmm. Who's at four percent owned? Make them one. Who's at two percent owned? Make them point five. Right? Like all of those guys. And in the middle, I don't change much. Right? But the chalkiest players, the guy that's going to be 62% on in large field is going to be 84% in all of the small field. It's going to like, so it's the, (coughs) the barbell approach to ownership, but I don't know how you model that. It's pretty easy, actually. I do it for NBA. Because you the problem with modeling is that is that you have to be correct. If you're not correct, you're going to be way off. So you that the way that you you model it or the way that I'm modeling it right now is I am doing that reverse barbell because that's exactly right. Where I'm taking the 50th percentile in ownership of players, and then I am taking a uh, kind of like a start uh, a staircase up in terms of like exponentially adding on a little bit more incrementally for each percentile threshold that we hit. So the highest owned player in NBA, like if they're going to be 30% owned, then it's going to push them up to like 48% owned or something. And then the lowest owned players are going to drop down. They can't be below zero. Obviously I put them into like a 0.05% ownership or something, but that middle percent, like the guys who are 50th percentile in terms of ownership, no, they, don't, they won't move. Nothing matters. Yeah. For right. them, it doesn't matter. But right. you, you can do a staircase effect up in terms of uh, projection thresholds. And what you end up getting, it, it's it's more accurate only in the fact that it is more directionally accurate. It doesn't end up increasing the actual accuracy of it. Like, I don't care if, for, for Tony Pollard, for instance, I had him project for like 45% owned or something like that. I knew that he would be like 60% owned. If I applied this algorithm to him and he ends up projecting for like, 66% owned or something and he comes out 60% owned I think that that's better than projecting him for 45% owned. I would agree I would agree with you that's absolutely So that's right. what I try to do with it. I don't necessarily want to try to get it to be exact. I just want it to be closer and maybe even a little bit over cuz I'd rather be a little bit more cautious with an algorithm like that. Um and that way I can make more informed decisions based on that. But it's, it's basically just a blunt way. Cause everything that I do is just blunt with it, with this kind of thing. Right. Um, 
it's just a blunt way of trying to say that the higher owned guys are going to be higher owned and that the lower owned guys are going to be lower owned and the middle guys just don't matter. Right. You're trying to do it an automated way. Me, I just, I just do it by sight. Well, I'm trying to automate everything this year so that I can actually get my business to run like an actual business rather than me just sitting at my computer for 19 hours a day. And why? What's wrong with that being your business? Well, I mean, it's been a really good business for the last three years. I'm very proud of my business. Like it's, it's survived and it's done really, really well. But uh, I would like to, now that I have a child, be able to see my child sometimes. So mm-hmm. do, do you think, do you think people are going to respect your business now that uh, they see that you're wearing a flamingo on your head? Well, I've done this three years straight, so I think it's working pretty well. <laughs> it's the flamingo hat. People who people who are are paydirt subscribers know, based on my streams, that I wear the flamingo hat on on October shows on on my uh, my Halloween show. This is the thing. So so, uh, we fi- we finished up uh, as Pete Overs it calls it Chalktober. Ah, oh, gross. Yep. Uh, is 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 November like no 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 chalk? November like yeah no chalk November so this this month if you play any anybody over 20% owned uh you have to self-exclude for a month you lose so is that the equivalent of growing your mustache is it yeah is it is November you grow your mustache or you cut off your mustache uh it's no shave November is the original oh, no one. shave November okay yeah, no that's shave what November. Movember is or something like that yeah Movember is uh I don't know. People made dumb ones. It's the the original one is no shave November. Movember is just for weirdos who wanted to be able to grow out a mustache instead. But it's no shave November. Let's let's not let the weirdos win right. here. Um, but Devin has so, a mustache. Devin grew out his mustache. He grew it up he, a month early. He did. Yeah. Now he has to shave it off because it's no shave November. See who can grow the biggest beard in a month. Um, you should do that this month, Jordan. Come on, you love having a beard. No, I hate it. <laughs> If I don't shave for like in like three or four days, it's even now, like right now, it's like I shave what? I think Saturday, Saturday morning, maybe. It's all itchy and stuff. I think I, you should go like Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, you can pick up theoryofdfs.com. Get get uh, James's and ours uh, custom Excel tools, the six hour, 10 chapter advanced audio course, how to apply profitable DFS strategies for advanced players. We talk about this in the main fundamentals masterclass as well as in, in this course. So like, like these concepts that aren't like, aren't new or anything. It's a general theory of building GBB lineups, lineups, not players, the levers, projection, correlation, leverage. It's not just, nothing's black and white. There are all these variables. It's all on a spectrum. Uh, give me those thummy thumbs on your way out the door. James, you're at pay dirt underscore DFS on Twitter. I am Pater underscore DFS on Twitter, and you can find all of my projections and models and a lot of cool uh, free research things over at PaterDFS.com. Um, pretty pretty happy with the way that NBA has been going. Have a new process of doing it, so uh, come check out the NBA models. And if if you sign up with a free membership, you'll get three days free. Uh, NBA. I don't even know if I'm going to play tonight. I'm sick. Right. We got showdown tonight. We got we got tons of content. Right. We got NBA Grinders live later today. On the channel, Crunch Time is free all season, usually for premium members. That's brought to you by FanDuel. And then uh, there'll be the the NFL pre-lock show with uh, with someone, not me. I'm taking off. I'm taking off. I want to get, I'm going to get back. I'm surprised I was able to, to last an hour on this show. Yeah, I'm impressed. Uh, well, probably because what's going to happen is that I'm going to be done in like within like three minutes after putting it, like 
if there's an adrenaline, like performing, you get like some type of like adrenaline. Right. Running through. It's the same thing. Like I'm, I'm, I, I have stomach issues yet. Like I've performed on stage like thousands of times and never have like been in the middle of a half an hour, 40 minute set and having at, go, Oh my God, I need to poop. Like it's like, like something your body just like shuts all of that off. Yeah. Feel like to go through everything. So I know that once, once we're done with the show, like three minutes later, I'm going to, I'm going to feel like absolutely awful and want to lie yeah. down all day. Yeah. Well, you, you feel better, sir. I would have feel I would I actually made the, the thing is we complained this whole show. I actually made money yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I, I lost on DraftKings, made a made a little on FanDuel, and then like I don't know how you lose on props. I just don't I just don't know how you lose. <laughs> so like between it between all of that combined, I made like five hundred bucks. Well, I'm happy for you. I did not make five hundred bucks, but that's only because I played DPPs only and I need to start doing props. Right, right. So that's that's it. I made a little on FanDuel, lost a little on DraftKings, and then by the end of the day, it's like, and I missed some of them. Right, the Drake London. What's the point of him anymore? Five. Right. He's a, he's on the slate next week, and I'm going to still be his prop. His his prop is going to be thirty two and a half, and I'm going to say I I still I'm t- I'm taking I'm got to do it. Got to do it. I did it with Kyle. Hey, I got the Marion and the Pitts ones. Just that I had the correlated London ones. That would have been next great. week. It's London. Next week it's London. <laughs> okay. So we got all the shows coming up later today. Hit that notification bell to know when we go live. So programming note: no pregame show tomorrow. No pregame show Wednesday. Let me let me get healthy and get rested up for uh, for for Thursday. Uh, we'll probably talk NFL, NBA, and answer your DFS strategy questions. I tried to at least. Every, 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 most of the time, Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern, on the DFS free game show on rotogrinders.com.